It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, Gronk here, calling a 30-second hair huddle. When it comes to tackling hair loss, Hims has you covered. From clinically proven regrowth treatments to thickening shampoo and conditioner. Just go to 4 for a free consultation. Then a licensed medical provider can help you with your game plan. If prescribed, Hims ships directly to your door. Get your hair back in the game with Hims. Try today and get a 90-day money-back guarantee at 4 Just go to 4 slash NFL. That's 4 slash NFL. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. You are locked on Packers. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski. I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet. You can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how today on the show our crossover Thursday and our crossover Thursday this week with Tyler Rowland from Locked on Titans is brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. Because of our schedule this week uh, and no Friday show, uh, we're not going to get a chance to talk about the injury report. Uh, but uh, that you know, because we won't have a Friday show, so that's another reason why I wanted to play this crossover in its entirety. Uh, all of my conversation with Tyler Rowland from Locked On Titans, uh, so you get the full experience of of getting the breakdowns and and everything that we're doing here. It's a it's a huge game, and uh, you know, I want to I want to get into the X's and O's. I want to get into the fun part of of what's going on in this game, and so. Uh, we're going to do that without any preamble, without any A block. We're just going to dive right in to the crossover. All right, locked on Packers, locked on Titans, a week 16 heavyweight matchup between two teams fighting for playoff positioning, two teams that have a lot at stake for this Sunday night football game, and two teams that that share a lot of similarities because of where these two teams uh-huh. come from. With Tyler Rowland from Locked on Titans, I, of course, am Peter Bukowski from Locked on Packers. And Tyler, as we look at this game, there is a little bit of a mirror image um, in that the Packers and Titans each have this main strength that is buttressed by, defensively anyway, buttressed by the fact that they can also go to the perfect thing to counter that main strength for the Titans. It's that run game. And then they can come off it with the play action and just absolutely destroy teams. If you were looking at this team against the Packers, what do you think green Bay can do to slow down this Titans offense? And what have other teams done that have had any modicum of success in doing that? Because it hasn't been very many this season. Well, uh, I, I like what you said there about it being a, a mirror image game. That's I did a little bit of a film study on my Wednesday episode, uh, talked about what I saw on film from the Packers, and that was my big takeaway. The Titans basically get to play themselves in, in right, a way. Right. There are some slight differences, um, but 
for the Packers in terms of the, the defense stopping Derrick Henry and the Titans running game. I think one thing that really disrupts zone schemes is interior pressure, gap penetration, quick gap penetration, because the zone run for Derrick Henry, especially the wide zone, the, it's, the inside zone can hit a little quicker, but the wide zone, it takes a little bit of time, and Derrick Henry kind of reads the forest and decides which path he's going to take. Is he going to take the straight on? Is he going to bounce out? Is he going to cut back? It does take some time to develop, so if you can quickly penetrate gaps and get into the backfield and stop Derrick Henry one, two yards in the backfield before he picks his hole and gets a, a head of steam, then you can have at least some success. Now, sometimes you're going to get in the backfield and you're going to bounce off that monster of a running back in Derrick right. Henry. It's just a reality. So he's going to get some successful plays where you have them hemmed up in the backfield. It's the reality. But for the course of a game to win enough times to beat this offense and, and get them in third and long situations and get Tannehill out of play action situations, to do that, you got to uh, have a lot of interior penetration. And I think one of the ways that the Packers can do that uh, that I'm worried about is something I saw on tape that they did against the Vikings earlier in the year, and they used Zadarius Smith as kind of a movable chess piece. They yep. went with four-man fronts and blitzed him up the middle, and I think doing that with probably your best uh, front seven player in Zadarius Smith, moving him around and have him shoot gaps in the interior rather than playing on the edge, that's a good way that they can disrupt the timing on the Titans' outside zone. Yeah, something the Packers have done over the last month or two is they've, they've lined up Zadarius Smith next to Kenny Clark, and said, all right, pick someone with a double team. We dare you. And mm -hmm. it, it, it has worked uh, with great success, especially lately here. I want to stick uh, with the offense here for a second because Corey Davis is someone who I loved coming out of college. Uh, it seemed like early in his career, maybe he was overdrafted. Maybe he was overrated as a prospect. And yet this season he has broken out. He looks every bit of the the high first round pick that we, we saw him, uh, at least as a college player, what has changed for him this season that makes him so dangerous? Because it really does seem that it fundamentally changes their offense. When you have Derrick Henry, that's one thing. And then you have A.J. Brown, that's another. But to have that second receiver that you really have to account for, now all of a sudden, not only do you have to have guys in the box to account for this great running back, you can't give safety help just to one side because Corey Davis is just as capable of beating you anywhere on the field. Yeah, Corey Davis has taken advantage of that extra attention that A.J. Brown gets. Uh, we've seen numerous occasions this year where teams will play man coverage against the Titans, which in my opinion is the right coverage to go to in, in third down situations against the Titans primarily. Uh, you can't telegraph what you're doing, but uh, the big thing there is Corey Davis is going to have one-on-one -on -one matchups and man coverage, and he's been able to take advantage of those this year. And if you want to look at two primary reasons that I would place the majority of the credit to Corey Davis's kind of explosion here and him becoming the receiver that people thought he could be. It's health, number one, which is always so important. Look at Alvin Kamara last year for the Saints. Everybody was like, oh, is Alvin Kamara the player we thought he was? And then you find out he had a tore up knee all year and now he's back looking incredible again. So Corey Davis was healthy um, this year and that's been the number one component, but also his route running has really gone to the next level. I wouldn't say he's one of the most pristine route runners in the league, like a Stephon Diggs or, or a Tay Adams, like you guys see on a week-to-week -week basis. But uh, his personal growth as a route runner has been um, the biggest key to his on-field success other than just generally being healthy. And when you're playing against man coverage, you know, route running is is – 
even more important than against zone because you're going to have to create separation with a guy only focused on you. So those two things, his route running, taking a, a step up, and then him just being healthy. But the reality is with Corey Davis, he was overdrafted. His talent is not even the best version of Corey Davis isn't worth a number five overall pick. He's not A.J. Green. He's not Julio Jones. He's not a guy like that. Um, but also, he was probably uh, with Marcus Mariota at quarterback – I mean, that had to, he even still had a very productive second season with 890 receiving yards. So, with Marcus Mariota at quarterback, the system with Mike Malarkey and Terry Robisky, that's going to limit you as a player and your development, anyways. Right. And then Ryan Tannehill shows up last year in the middle of the season. Corey Davis wasn't healthy and they never got that rhythm. So, really, we're just seeing what Corey Davis can be in a competent offense. I think he is a very, very solid high end wide receiver, too, in the NFL. Are they going to have to pay him this offseason? You know, that has been a big debate on in the Titans fan base and even amongst people who cover the team. I originally was like, hey, look at all of the stud young wide receivers we've seen come in the league in the first and second round in recent years. The Titans cannot pay Corey Davis 10 to $13 million a year when they could go out and draft a wide receiver. Look at A.J. Brown. He was a 51st pick in the draft. Right. So how can you justify paying a guy like Corey Davis, who, like I said, is a high-end wide receiver too in the league, but... You can get a high-end wide receiver, too, in the second round in the NFL draft. But with what we've seen now, the Titans' defense is not there, and it may take another offseason to get close to being a good defense. So I don't think you can break up the core of the offense right now, and that's Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, Ryan Tannehill, and Corey Davis. So in my opinion, if it's cutting John, or if it's letting Jonu Smith and Jayon Brown walk in free agency, cutting Adam Humphreys, trying to restructure Malcolm Butler's expensive deal, even if it goes as far as having to cut him, even though he's having a solid season, uh, I think all those things need to happen for them to bring Corey Davis back because the reality is in the draft, the Titans are going to have to focus on the defense. Yeah, let's talk about that defense because I was I was looking at it earlier in the week um, before I you know really got a chance to settle in and, and watch some of the film on this team. And it was like, the, these are names. We know these players and, and we know that that a lot of them have been good players or at least talented players in the past. And yet this defense has just they have vacillated between bad and really bad this season. And uh, it, it's sort of uh, surprising to me. And, and yet when you watch them on tape, it, it, in some ways, it sort of all makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does make sense. And it, to me, I think the reality is the the Titans weren't a good defense last year either. They were just better uh, on third downs. They weren't historically bad on third downs, and they were um, a little bit better as a scoring defense. But what they're doing this year is the reason the defense is surviving is because they're getting turnovers. And that that's a, that is a formula for success in the NFL. If you have a, a high-end offense and a defense that maybe isn't great but can force a couple turnovers in a game, that's the Titans' recipe right now in formula if they still think they can win a Super Bowl. But th I think the scheme put players in a good position last year and made them play up to their potential. And this year, there's been a coaching drop-off. The Titans lost defensive back coach Kerry Coombs. He went back to Ohio State to be the defensive coordinator. Uh, they lost inside linebacker coach Tyrone McKenzie. He went to the Detroit Lions for a similar position. That's still kind of a mystery here. Uh, they Obviously, the biggest one is losing defensive coordinator Dean Pease. So now you're seeing Jim Hazlitt, Anthony Midget, and Mike Vrabel have elevated, and Shane Bowen, the outside linebacker coach, have elevated roles or new roles in the defense. And 
there's only one answer there. It's basically the same players and a big drop-off in, in performance. It's only logical that we we point to the coaching at some point. And there's been alignment issues. Uh, you know, it's third and four. You got the cornerback 12 yards off. Uh, alignment issues when teams come out in a bunch formation. The Titans are in man and figuring out how they're going to switch those or who's lining up in press, who's lining up off. All of those different things. If you watch the Titans defense on tape, there's a lot of confusion a lot of the times. A lot of late conversation in the play clock trying to figure out who's got who moving around. So clearly the coaching has not gotten these guys in the right position. There's been a drop off in individual play. Obviously, it's both coaching and playing. But the biggest difference is not the players this year and the players on the defense. It's the coaching. So to me, at this point, Mike Vrabel has to look himself in the mirror and hire a defensive coordinator over the offseason uh, to try to fix this. And if the Titans even had a league average defense, they would probably be tw- – they would have beaten the Bengals for sure, I would imagine. And uh, it would have kept them in some other games like the Steelers and and the Browns game in the first half. So the Titans could be a totally different team with just a league average defense. And Mike Vrabel has himself to blame for that. And if they had just a league average special teams, they probably would have beat the Colts. And and that's the reality for this team. Uh, You add that to the mirror here because Green Bay special team, not Mm -hmm. very good. And yet the Titans have found a way to be worse this season. And that was a little, uh, honestly though, that was a little bit, uh, the Titans special teams has not been good this year, but that that was a tad bit of a blip on the radar. Uh, Our longtime long snapper, Bo Brinkley, he had been with the team for eight seasons. He He got COVID this year, came back after two weeks and fell off a cliff after eight years of being the most solid guy on the roster in terms of performing his duty. He had a ton of bad snaps, and in the game against the Bengals, late in the game, he had a bad snap, which caused our Pro Bowl punter, Brett Kern, who I think's the best punter in the AFC, he got hit by somebody on a bad snap on a botched field goal, got hurt, was out to, uh, I think it was three weeks, and one of those weeks was against the Indianapolis Colts, we had a first-time punter in Trevor Daniel and uh, a new long snapper, and you're right. I mean, 14-point swing that totally changed that game. So if the Titans just had a league-average defense and didn't have that weird, just complete blip on the radar by their longtime long snapper, maybe they are 13-1 and or 14-1 or 13-2, and what what have you, you know, whatever it would end up being. But, uh, yeah, there, there are definitely questions that have to be asked about the personnel on the defense, the personnel on special teams, and then Mike Vrabel and what he's done with the coaching staff on defense. Those are the two big weaknesses for the Titans. Yeah, by DVOA, Tennessee is the 29th ranked special teams in the NFL this year. The Packers just a tick better at 26 when we come back. <laughs> We flip the tables and Ty takes center stage trying to figure out what's going on with this Green Bay Packers team as we get ready for Sunday night football. Before we get to the second part of our crossover, today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar with six new flavors to go along with their 12 originals, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, salted caramel, peanut butter brownie, all kinds of great flavors, all covered in 100% chocolate and all low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. These things are delicious. I have tried every protein bar on the market, and these are the best I've ever tasted, and it's not even close. Right now, go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON to get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Today's episode is also brought to you by our friends at BetOnline. 
There is a ton of sports right now to bet on. NBA is getting in gear. We've got the NFL playoffs coming in hot here in a couple weeks. College football, the bowl games, college basketball is here. There is only one place that has you covered. One place that we trust, and that's betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at BetOnline and use the promo code Locked On for 50% welcome bonus. That means they will match your first deposit up to 50%. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action, the real action. And don't forget to use promo code locked on to get 50% deposit match. Bet online is your online sportsbook expert. We are back for the second portion of our crossover Thursday conversation with this big prime time matchup, what could end up being one of the best games of the NFL season between the Tennessee Titans and the Green Bay Packers. Of course, I am Tyler Rowland from the Locked On Titans podcast. We got Peter Bukowski here from the Locked On Packers podcast. And Peter, we talked about the Titans before, but I kind of want to dive into the Green Bay Packers. And we talked about them being mirror images of each other. It's probably more on offense than defense, but on the offensive side of the ball, one of the big differences I noticed on tape between the Titans and the Packers offense is the Packers use of RPOs. They do a great job of mixing those in and seem to have a lot of success, especially on those smoke routes or those short routes out to Devontae Adams. So uh, what are the Packers doing with their RPO game and, and what has led them to have success with it? Well, what's so interesting about you asking me that this week is it's coming off a week where the RPO game against the Panthers had some early success Mm -hmm. and then the the Titans or excuse me, the Panthers made a little bit of an adjustment and all of a sudden they were sniffing out those RPOs. They were baiting Rodgers to throw not just the RPOs, but they have this um, built in. It's really a pre-snap RPO where if the corners are playing off and they have a run call on, Rodgers can can just stand up and make a throw outside to a receiver mm-hmm. and you let Devontae Adams go cook. Well, yep. they did that a number of times where the corners were, were really baiting Aaron Rodgers into making those throws and they tackled really, really well. And, and Matt LaFleur said after the game, look, this was part of the game plan. They thought that they could get these advantages on the outside. Yeah. Not a good tackling secondary. And they had their best tackling game of the season. Now you're right. What, what the RPO does is it allows Aaron Rodgers to come up and just say, eat simple math. If, if we have numbers in the box, it's a run. And if there's numbers outside, then you throw the little smoke and they do it out of trips. A lot of times they do it out of some modified trips formations where you might have a tight end um, to that side and you've got a, a two by one or something like that. And, and they, they just throw it out to the two receiver side. If you've got a zone coverage look and the and the either the nickel defender or the safety is playing off. It's all just about basic numbers, and and they've been successful with it because Aaron Rodgers is one of the smartest quarterbacks in the league, and his release, his ability to get the ball out to the perimeter in a flash and do it, and this is a really underrated thing, I think, Tyler, is he is able to get the ball into the receiver's hands coming forward. He's not having to stop. He's not having to bend over or turn around. It is downhill. You make the catch and you're already in motion to now go make a move and create something after the catch. So even without the elite run after catch guys, I mean, the Packers don't have someone like A.J. Brown who is going to take a slant for 80 yards because he makes one guy miss, stiff arms another guy, and is off to the races. They have to manufacture it a little bit more. and, And this is one way that 
they've been able to do that. Yeah, well, that's funny because I was actually going to ask you about that. That's one thing that, that I noticed from my tape study here. Aaron Rodgers, you think about Aaron Rodgers, and if you asked a casual fan, they're going to think about Aaron Rodgers launching the ball downfield, getting out of the pocket, these deep passes. But really what, what I saw a lot of was him almost going into a Tom Brady phase of his career where it's all about getting the ball out quick, getting it to the open guy, hitting the check down, not taking any contact, not taking any shots. Uh, he's still got much more mobility than Tom Brady, so that that is always there. But would you agree with that assessment? Is that something that you, you've kind of seen a change now at Rodgers' age and – they're one of the best run-after-the-catch teams, even though you said they don't have specific weapons for that. But that, is that an accurate, I guess, analysis of Rodgers this year? seems like he's really focused on getting the ball out quick and especially getting it out to the flats. Yeah, and, and it's part of this offense. And I think one of the fundamental changes that Matt LaFleur made, um, if you look at his offense compared to, say, Mike McCarthy's, is there are way more predetermined reads where everything is set up to get one guy the ball or it's a levels read where it's just, um, you know, you, you have you're reading one defender. And if he's high, you throw underneath. If he's low, you throw over the top. And I think that has allowed Rodgers, not that he needed to have the game simplified for him necessarily, but I think what it did for him is he was the kind of guy, especially with Mike McCarthy, who always wanted to hit the big play. He always wanted to have that downfield shot. Well, this offense is designed to manufacture those shot plays off play action, much the way the the Titans set up shot plays. And um, the, the Packers have also have these built in little um, underneath routes where it's like, okay, the play is designed to go to this receiver. That's true of the Tom Brady offense in New England as well, where it was like everything is set up to get Julian Edelman in this position here. It's not a one, two, three true read in that way. And so what that has allowed Aaron Rodgers to do is say, okay, here is uh, where the ball is going. I'm going to get to the top of the drop and it's out. And he has bought into this offense and said, I trust the scheme. I trust the personnel. I trust the coach that when they call this play, it's going to work and I can hit the top of my drop and get the ball out. And so he's got his quickest um, average time to attempt. I think of his career, or at least at various points of his career, I haven't checked the numbers this week, but at various points of the season, it was the fastest of his career. Right. Um, it's going to go down as one of the fastest, if not the fastest. And it is all because this offense has just made, it's built in some things that make his life easier. And while still, by the way, Tyler, keeping the things that make Rodgers great, there's still some off-schedule stuff that that is built in here. They're still going to go five wide, even out of heavy personnel and let Rodgers just pick matchups and go have fun. They they were able to keep the stuff that makes Rodgers great, the stuff that, you know, Trent Dilfer um, likes to talk about having, you know, a, a master's level understanding of yeah. the offense. Why, why would you take Rodgers out of, you know, all of the ways that he had mastered this old offense? No, you'd want to keep some of that stuff, right? And so Matt LaFleur this season, the biggest difference in this offense to me is the – the incorporating of the the traits that make Rogers special without having to incorporate the actual literal plays, which they kind of tried to do last year to really uneven success. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that makes a ton of sense. And I think Matt LaFleur's done a very good job kind of augmenting 
you know, his offense around, you know, what you're saying, the traits that makes Rodgers special. I think the NBA season kicked off last night. So in honor of that and analogy, it's like James Harden, you know, uh, with the last year of McCarthy, Rodgers is out there playing his game like James Harden. He'll just go out there and play his game. But a good coach will come in and use those traits and find a way to, to focus them on things that are more efficient and more beneficial to the player. But I do want to transition to the defensive side of the ball. I know the offenses for both teams are the headliners. And one last thing I do want to mention, just something for the Packers fans and a, a little bit of a tease for my Titans fans. Um, I do expect the Packers to use that RPO quick hitting pass out to Devontae Adams against Titans cornerback Adoree Jackson, who just returned yep. or just returned to the football field for the first time this season last week. And he played about a third of the snaps. So they were kind of trying to dip his toe in the water. One thing about Adoree is he's a track star. He's a speed guy. He is not a physical guy. And coming off of an injury where he hasn't been on the field for most of the year, if I'm the Packers, I'm attacking Adoree Jackson and I'm forcing him to tackle over and over and over again. And uh, I, I expect to see that a little bit. But talking about the defensive side of the ball, the Packers defense obviously isn't up to par with the offense. Not quite as bad as the Titans defense, though. But what do you think they're going to try to do to stop Derrick Henry? What do you see them, I guess, you've watched them all year take on different offenses. So what do you expect yeah. to see from the Packers defense against Derrick Henry in this game? I think it's going to be a lot of looks, and that has always been a trait from Mike Patton. He ha he came to to Green Bay, and the, in year one, it was a lot of designer blitzes. It was a lot of double mug, A-gap stuff, and they got caught. Good quarterbacks were able to identify where the pressure was coming from, and and Mike Patton really had to to maneuver on the fly here. It helped. You had Zadarius Smith. You had Preston Smith. You had Adrian Amos, and suddenly you've got a, a, a group of guys who can more consistently win their one-on-one -on -one matchups. And so now what he's done is saying, okay, let's get funky with personnel. Let's play Raven Green at you know uh, the Will linebacker. Or let's play Rashawn Gary at three-tech. Let's play Zadarius Smith at three-tech and make offenses account for that. Last year in the second half, they used Zadarius Smith, as you mentioned uh, earlier in the show, as this sort of rover blitzer penetrator. And he has the ability to just pre-snap decide, I'm going to go here. And, and and Mike Penn says, look, if he if he penetrates and wins, that's great. And, and that's what they prioritize over gap stability. Um, and so I think what they're going to have to do is is give a lot of fronts to this this Titans team. And then when when they do get into third and longs, you have to get off the field. And so I think they're going to be able to um, win some of those matchups on the outside. Some of the injuries at, at offensive tackle that the Titans have suffered, I think, mm -hmm. makes them potentially susceptible on the edge to guys like yeah. Zadarius Smith and Rashawn Gary. Big concern. Uh, and yeah, and and even second and long, I, I think could be something, you know, if you win on first down and all of a sudden now it's second and eight, second and 10, are the Titans going to be um, disciplined enough to keep handing the ball to Derrick Henry? Yeah, probably. Right. I mean, I think yeah, I think we've seen them do it enough over the course of the season. Other coaches are not quite as disciplined. But I, I think Green Bay is going to mix it up a lot in terms of the fronts that they're playing so that it's never easy to settle into a rhythm, whether it's the play action game, whether it's the run game. I think you're going to see run blitzes. They've they've been using Darnell Savage as a run blitzer lately to to great effect. He has really come on in the last few weeks. He looks like he has 
star potential mm-hmm. um and is starting to realize that here over the last month or so so i i think that has to be the plan they're going to give you a bunch of different in terms of man looks zone looks they're not going to settle into one kind of thing it's not going to be the jair alexander shadow aj brown I was show gonna ask about that you know with Corey davis like you mentioned earlier and aj brown so you don't see a shadow situation with alexander on brown or davis no, and, and Mike Patton has been really hesitant and has said, I mean, he's been asked about this because J.R. Alexander's coming out party back in 2018 was when he locked down Brandon Cooks in man coverage and really followed him all over the field in the slot on the boundary, wherever they put Brandon Cooks, J.R. Alexander was going to be there. And Mike Patton just doesn't like what that does from a predictability standpoint. I don't think against a veteran quarterback, he really wants to play that way. Now against the Eagles a team that couldn't beat them down the field. They played a lot of single high safety. They played a lot of man coverage, and they actually had sides on that. Jair Alexander played on the defense's left side. They shaded the single high safety to the other side and just said, this is the matchup, and we're going to live with the outcome. I think you're going to see some of that because Kevin King is not playing very well right now, and, and the matchup with Corey Davis is is suboptimal. They're probably going to need to send some help there. Corey Davis um, especially has been good on some deep routes this year. But um, it's going to be, again, a a thing about mixing coverages. They're going to want to mix designs um, and and not let Ryan Tannehill get in a rhythm of, okay, when it's too high, it's always going to be cover two or it's always going to be cover four, whatever it is. He just he he prizes Mike Patton does the um, the idea of um, uh, multiplicity in ways that a lot of coaches pay lip service to. And I think even it sometimes gets him in trouble, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's going to be something that we have to watch because I think the Titans are going to try to throw early on first down in this game because of what you talked about and how they'll be focused on on the run and how important it is to not get yourself in second and long. I think that'll be even more important with the talent of Zadarius Smith on the outside. So that will be an interesting thing to watch. I can't wait for this game. Like like I mentioned at the beginning, it is one of the best games the entire season, uh, at least on paper. So excited to watch that. It's been a great conversation. Uh, Peter, thank you for, uh, for talking with us and giving us as much information as you did. I think this may be the most schematically driven crossover conversation <laughs> I had all year, and I really appreciate that. And I'm sure our listeners will as well. It's a it's a great week of prep for us to to if we if and you and I are both guys that are going to sit down and really watch and study it. Right. And and it's a it's a fun week to do that. Not every week, as you know, not every week is a <laughs> no. fun week to do that. So this is I think it's going to yeah. be a great game. Um, And I think um, I, no outcome will surprise me in terms of who, who would win. I think the Packers have a slight advantage here. I just think mm-hmm. they're a little bit better on offense and a little bit better on defense. Yeah, I think something like thirty three thirty one. And and we get an absolute uh, dynamo of a football game. Yeah, I, I, I'm not completely settled on how I feel about the score because I could see a couple different outcomes. But I I agree with you that the I think the Packers and the Titans offense are similar enough that the gap between the defenses is what will make the defense. The Titans defense just won't be able to get a few stops. The Packers defense will be able to get a few stops. But I will say, I do have the Packers winning this game. I, I think it would probably be right around there, like 34 to 28, 34-27 is, is where I'm thinking right now. I love it. Should be a great game. And who knows? Could be. A, we, we never know what's going to happen in, right. in the playoffs. And we know the Titans are a brutal matchup in January. Could be a possible Super Bowl preview. 
David Harrison here, the Locked on Washington football team podcast, celebrating with you a 21-grain salute to a less boring sandwich thanks to Dave's Killer Bread. I don't know about you guys, but when I eat pizza, I eat it for the toppings, not the crust. And when I eat a sandwich, it's for what's inside the bread, not for the bread. But when I throw a sandwich on 21 whole grains and seeds, thin sliced bread from Dave's Killer Bread, it is the epitome of addition by subtraction. That thin sliced bread lets me focus on what's inside the sandwich, but also adds to the sandwich with killer taste, killer texture, killer nutrition, a subtle sweetness, and a seed coated crust. Dave's Killer Bread is America's number one organic bread for a reason it tastes so stinking good dave's killer bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-gmo ingredients and is power packed with whole grains fiber and protein visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for dave's killer bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store hey listen up FanDuel fantasy players your day is about to get 20 percent better this is Vinny Iyer, host of Lockdown Fantasy Football here on the Lockdown Network, and I have an offer for you. Start playing fantasy this football season, and FanDuel will give you a 20% bonus on your first deposit. That's up to $500. That's a big-time bonus, and all you need to do to claim it is to make your first deposit on FanDuel. I love the fantasy contests they have on FanDuel. So many different ways to play, cash games, tournaments. I like to challenge myself there. Take my fantasy football knowledge to the next level. Many different types of game formats. You can pick from main slate, single game, best ball, snake draft, and you can even play private contests with your friends. And there's an awesome slate of games on hand every single week. You can get the players that you don't have in your redraft leagues into your lineup. Try to get that big time return on investment. Every week is a new chance for you to win big at FanDuel and that's what I love about it. Experience season long wins without the season long waits. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your bonus and start playing today. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Agent location restrictions apply. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires after 30 days. All right, I want to thank Tyler again for joining the show. Great to talk to him. He is one of my favorite guys on the network to talk to, and uh, he puts in the work, and that's one of the reasons why I I appreciate him. He watches the tape. He's going into the stats. He's trying to figure out what's going on, why it's happening, and and everything in between. So uh, a a great breakdown there from him, great conversation. I really appreciate it. Like I said, no Friday show. We'll be back Monday, hopefully talking about a Packers win, hopefully talking about a team on pace to go 13-3 and three to beat the Chicago Bears in Week 17 and be the number one seed in the NFC. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers.